Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening. Turn to Genesis chapter 33. Genesis chapter 33. Been looking at the patriarchs in the Old Testament. We started, of course, with going back to Adam already, beginning of Adam and, and Eve and Cain and Abel. <coughs> we looked at uh, Abraham, looked at Isaac, and now we're looking at Jacob. A couple of sermons on Jacob. The title of the sermon this evening is How God Shaped Jacob in Genesis chapter 33. <clears throat> now we've come from last time we looked at his life. Of course, we saw last time that he was wrestling with God. We talked about the importance of that in his life. And at first, when we first looked at Jacob, he was a liar. Remember, he lied to Esau. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was a trickster. He was a supplanter. Uh, and he was a wicked man. Then he went to listening. He left that place because basically if he stayed there with Isaac and Rebekah and, of course, his brother Esau, who he tricked twice, he was going to die. His, his own brother Esau was going to kill him. And, of course, their, their mom heard about it and said, you better flee. You better go, go to our kindred and find yourself a wife. And that was about a 500-mile trip. And on the way there, he saw a ladder in a vision, a ladder to heaven with angels going up and down that ladder, and he began to listen to God for the first time on that hillside there. And then after that, he began to learn. For 20 years, he learned. He learned as we looked at that even as, as, decei- as, as he liked to deceive, there's always someone out there that can deceive you more. If you think you, you, think you might be the best liar, trust me, there's other liars out there. You think you, you think you might be the, oh, man, there's all kinds of wicked folks out there. This guy who was deceiver thought he was the greatest deceiver, but deceiver got deceived. And Laban, his future father-in-law, deceived, her, deceived him because, remember, he woke up one morning after seven years, and there was that weak-eyed woman, Leah. <clears throat> and then he had to serve another seven years for that cow-eyed woman by the name of Rachel, and he did. So he learned, he learned the ways of life, and then he, he served, of course, after, after 14 years, uh, six more years uh, for Laban. But he was a small learner. He struggled like most of us do, but, but he began, and he met with God, as we looked, talked about last week, and he became a limping man because he met with God. And as I said last week, anytime you have a real encounter with God, you never go away the same. Anytime you have a real encounter with God, you, you never go away the same. <clears throat> and that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God because it's a mirror and it, it, it helps you see yourself and to change. We're to change slowly. You, you, may, you may not see that change. Ladies, when you first put that food in the pot, it don't look like a lot. <laughs> I've been doing these for my wife the last two, these two weeks of recipes. You know, I put it in the crock pot. I get all these recipes. It's like three or four ingredients. It isn't that hard, guys. Trust me. Mayo here can't do a whole lot. I can do frosted flakes. I can do uh, you know I can do uh, microwave stuff. But I just found some 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 simple recipes put in a crock pot. And when I first put that stuff in the crock crock pot, and you know it don't look like much. It don't look like. But six or seven hours later, voila! Woo man, it's it's not that bad. Not that bad, even for old Marty Moon. So. And so we, we learn in life. We learn. He's, he, he's limping now. He's broken. And ultimately, in the end of his life, uh, as we've looked at really in the past, he's going to be leaning. He's going to be old man <laughs> going down to Egypt, and that's where he's going to end of his, end his life will be. So we've seen Jacob here. 
who <coughs> has gone through so many phases, he's growing in his relationship with God. And that's the, that's the hope of, for all of us, that we'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we'll, we'll by the grace of God, the things that we have struggled with, that we won't struggle with those things as much anymore because of sanctification. Sanctification simply means the process of growing as a Christian. I'm glad that we don't stop at two and that's the end as far as we go. All you parents, remember the twos? Some of you still going through the twos. They're called the terrible twos and they're called terrible because they are terrible. Ooh, I'm glad I don't have to go through those anymore. Amen. I'm glad they didn't stop at two. I'm glad they grow up and some of you know the freedom of they're out of the house now. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. And so they grow up. By the grace of God, we will grow up in our Christian life. So we see God saving Jacob, and now we see God subduing Jacob. And finally, we'll see God shaping Jacob, God shaping him. So we see, first of all, in these verses 1 through 3, how, <clears throat> how Esau found Jacob. Remember, we looked at that beginning of this little bit. It's been so many years, over 20 years now since he's seen his brother. Can you imagine the last time you heard, you heard from your brother he was going to kill you, and now you're going to see him again? And we tend to, when it comes to our thoughts, always think the worst, don't we? <laughs> we, we don't go into this thing thinking, Esau's going to be so happy to see me. <laughs> no, because he's been so deceptive, and he knows a little about himself, he's thinking maybe he's coming with these 400 men to kill me. He's not thinking the best thoughts. He's thinking, he's thinking, he's thinking bad thoughts. I was listening, I'm listening to this book about how to change your thinking. You know, we, we, I think the guy said, I believe we think sometimes nearly 5,000 negative thoughts a day. <coughs> and what happens is we get into a rut. You know what a rut is? Basically a grave with the two ends knocked out. We get in a rut of thinking. Some of you think every day I'm a loser. Some of you think every day, I can't do this. Some of you think oh, every day, I'll never do blank. I'll never can do this. And our, our mind, our thinking is wrong. But the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You spend your days thinking negative, your life will be negative. That's why you, again, getting back in the word of God, thinking things that are positive. You have to meditate on those things. You know what a cow does? It chews its gut, its cud, it swallows it, it regurgitates it, it chews it, he swallows it, he regurgitates it, he chews it, he, he chews it, he swallows it, he regurgitates It goes on and on and on and on and on. So you know what you need to do every day? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When you read the word of God, find a word from the word and think about that. Just like the cow chooses cud, swallows it, regurgitates it, and I went through that whole process. Do the same thing with the word of God. Meditate on it. Think about it. So often we read the Bible for like five to ten minutes. We put it away and we don't think about it the rest of the day. No, you have to meditate on it. You have to think on it. You have to dwell on it. Some of you might put it on your mirror. 
Put it everywhere. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your refrigerator. Put it on your phone. Put it everywhere you go. Think on these things, the Bible says. Think on these things. So Jacob's thinking negative things. We see him, verses 1 through 3. Look what it says there, chapter 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes, and behold, Esau came with 400 men, delivered the the children of Leah and, and Rachel and under the handmaids and to the handmaids and the children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed before them and bowed himself to the ground. Seven times the two came near his brother. We found and we see a cautious Jacob waiting on him. A cautious Jacob. He's cautious. Why? But even though he wrestled with God and spent time with God, he went back to his base nature. You know what our base nature is? Fear. Our base nature outside of God is fear. That's why I said this morning that the farther away you, you get from, from, from God, the more you will fear life. The farther away you get from God, the more cowardice you'll be. But the closer you are to God, the more time you spend with him, you lose your fear and you get courage. That's why if you want, only people who typically who choose to be right with God are people who are soul winners. Because they've, they've, they've gotten out of their fear primarily and they have courage because they're pure. When you live a sinful, wicked life, you get fearful and scared and cowardice. And you hate the light. You don't want to see the light. You like darkness. And so what does Jacob do? When he gets a little afraid, he goes back to his old state of things. Gets fearful, gets cautious. And what does he do? <laughs> He's, he starts putting all the, all the people in front of him. Instead of him being the leader, which he should, what he should have done, he put the handmaids, the children, and Leah. After that, and Rachel and Joseph Hindermost. He put, the, he put the least important to the most important, and he saved himself for last. He saved himself towards the last. That's what he did. But ultimately, we see in verse 3, he passed before them, bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came in. He became... He became not only, he became cautious, he became contrite. He didn't become braggadocious and say, hey, Esau, remember those two times I tricked you? <laughs> now, maybe in the younger days, he might have been so foolish, but a little bit of age and experience realized he was walking on dangerous ground. He humbled himself. You know, dear friends, anytime you get in a, any new situation, it's good to humble yourself. You know, you don't, it's, it's never wise to speak about your own accomplishments. Let somebody else do that for you. Let somebody else speak of what God, is, what God has done. Oh, it's always good to praise God. But when it comes to accomplishments or things you've done, be humble about it. I mean, he's going little bit by little bit and closer and closer. And as he's walking, I can see this whole, this old limp man from spending time with God, wrestling with God, become humbler and humbler and humbler. So we see this person who's doing this, he's become cautious and now contrite. Esau found Jacob, it says in verses 4 through 7, look what it says there. It says, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and, and wept. And they wept and lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are these with thee? And he said, The children which God has graciously given thy servant, the handmaidens came near, and they and the children and they bowed themselves, and Leah also with her children came near. And bowed themselves, after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. They bowed themselves. Esau found Jacob, but Esau, secondly, forgave Jacob. Esau forgave Jacob. Here this man is. He didn't come with a sword. He came. He didn't come with weapons. He came, and he wept. 
this is totally different from what I was reading. If I was just reading this naturally, I would think, here we come Esau with a sword saying, you scandalous devil, you, you, you deceived me from my birth pl- birthright, you deceived me from your, my blessing. And we know that he struggled with bitterness according to Hebrews. But the Bible says in verse 4, he ran and he met him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Who initiated this? This Well, of course, we see the humility of Jacob, but we see the, the humility of Esau, too. We see this. <clears throat> Robert Lidlaw, a success, successful New Zealand businessman, he tells in his book, Little Reasons Why, how the problem troubled him once. He said, I know a polished, cultivated gentleman who is not a Christian, he said. And I know a very crude and uncultured man who is a Christian. Do you mean to tell me that God prefers the uncultured man simply because he's accepted and acknowledged Christ as their Savior? Have you ever met Christians that are just plain out crude? You ever met Christians who don't act like Christians? You ever met Christians who struggle with lying? You ever met Christians that are lazy? You ever met Christians who, man, they say they're Christians, they sure don't act like it. I've said from this pulpit before, and I'll say it again. I've met some unsaved folks that act better than a whole lot of Christians. I've met several of them. But I'm glad that we're not saved by what we do outwardly, but who we know inwardly. Inwardly. So here is, here is, here is Esau, who is acting more like Israel, and Jacob, who's acting more like Esau. They're different. They're different. So Esau found Jacob, Esau forgave Jacob, but we see verses 8 through 11, Esau favored Jacob. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, he said, what meanest thou by all this drove that I met? And he said, there is to find grace in thy sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have strength enough, my brother, keep that which thou hast unto thyself. And Jacob said, nay, I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, when thou receive my present and my hand, for therewith I have seen thy faces, as though I had seen the face of God, and thou hast pleased me. Take, I pray thee, the blessing is brought to thee, because thou hast dealt, dealt gracious to me, and because I have enough. He urged him and took it. At once Esau refused the trespass offering. We see in verse 9, I have enough, my brother. Keep thou which thou hast thyself. Then, he, then after he had refused it, he generously received it. In verses, verse 11, pray I take thee, the blessing is brought thee, because thou hast dealt gracious to me, because I have enough. Now in this culture, to accept an offering, to accept a gift was a wonderful thing. To deny it was to deny friendship, was to deny fellowship. So it was a wise thing for, for, them, to, for, to, for them to have this covenant of one another and giving of the taking and the, the love that they had for one another. So Esau found Jacob, Esau forgave Jacob, Esau favored Jacob, and Esau frightened Jacob. Look at verse 12, and it says, and he said, take us, take us, let us take our journey, let us go, and I will... I will go before thee. And he said unto him, My Lord, knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks of the herd are young with me. And if, if a man should overdrive them on one day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant, and I will lead on softly. Because as the cattle goeth before me, and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord unto Seir. And Esau said, Let me now leave with some of the folk which are with me. And he said, What needeth it? Let me find grace in thy sight. And Esau returned that day in the in the day, in the way, and to see her. Now, <clears throat> Esau had offered to to accompany Jacob, offering him the courtesy of his presence. Uh, but what did Jacob do? He did, he said no to it. 
He knew ultimately the company of his presence would bring, would bring trouble because he ultimately he knew the nature of his brother. He was a pagan man. You can't be very long in the presence of pagans before the pagans start influencing you. That's why the Bible says, do, be, not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's very, very unwise to join in any type of partnership with somebody who's unsaved, whether it be marital relationships, business relationships, or any type of relationship. Be very careful before going into any type of relationship with unsaved folks because their God is the God of this world. Your God is the God of the next of, of that world. Not this world. God himself has given Satan the authority over this world. And if you are in partnership with pagans, they're going to influence you to go wrong. Be careful, be careful. They influence you to go wrong, and that's why he recognized this. Secondly, you saw, saw Jacob's point, but what you can do is your part. Do everything you can on your part to live peaceably with all men. There should not be anyone on the entire earth that by the grace of God could come to you and say, you have wronged me and you never try to get it right. You've wronged me, and you never try to get it right. I hope by the grace of God, there's somebody in your life you're not right with, that you take it upon yourself to have a clean conscience, as Paul desired before God and before men, and get right with them or attempt to get right with them this week. We see Jacob and his brothers bonding. And we see, secondly, Jacob and his backsliding. Look at verse chapter 33 and verse 17. It said, Jacob sojourned to Succoth and built him, him a house and made him booze for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is Succoth. Jacob came to Salem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from uh, Pandaranarim and pitched his tent before the city and brought a parcel of the field where he had spread his tent, the hand of the children of Amor, Shechem's father, for a hundred of pieces of silver, erected there an altar and called it Elolilo Israel. And we see Jacob, first of all, failure as a pilgrim. He, closed, he goes closer to the, to the promised land, but not quite there yet. We first follow Jacob to Succoth. We see Jacob building in verse 17. For a moment, he had lost sight of, the, of what God's will for him. Remember, he was be his father, has, has been promised by, Jake, by Abraham and Isaac to be one who would take care and be in the promised land. Well, interesting here, he talks about, there's a house, this is the first time the interesting this word house is mentioned in the entire Old entire Bible. It started first, of course, in the, the Old Testament. But Jacob here makes a, makes a mistake. He settles down not quite to the promised land, but just a little bit short of the promised land. He, he, he gets almost back to where he's supposed to be in, instead of being where he's supposed to be. And isn't that true sometimes in our life? Of getting right with God, we, we, we do everything, but just we don't quite get where God wants us to be. Is there anything in your life that you're holding back from God? Is there just something you've not laid on that altar? We sing that old invitation song, is your all on the altar? Maybe, maybe this evening you're struggling saying, I don't know if I can give $30 a month to faith promise. The love of money is the root of all evil. Christians will spend more money on dog food than foreign missions this year. That's the truth. They'll spend more money feeding dogs than giving to Jesus Christ. Oh, the love of money is the root of all evil. I'll get close, but I don't want to go out on Saturday and tell people about Jesus. 
oh, I'll get close, but you know, you know, to, to, to be faithful to church three times a week, that's a whole lot, preacher. Oh, preacher, to, to love my neighbor, if you only love my neighbor, if you only knew who my neighbor was, if you only knew how bad they were. The Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself. It did not say love thy neighbor if they always give you Christmas present every year. It did not say love your neighbor if that person brings you hot chocolate and cocoa every year. It did not say love thy neighbor if you really, really, really like them and they treat you nice and the dog don't bark at 3 o'clock in the morning. It says, Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, some neighbors are hard, trust me. I've shared with you my stories of the drug dealer that I had next to me, and I struggled to love my neighbor. <laughs> my flesh struggled to love that dear brother Johnny and tell his, his cousin Henry about Jesus. I struggled with it. My flesh struggled with it. I wanted that man out of there, but I thought God had brought that man right beside me as a neighbor for such a time as this, maybe to witness to him that as he sits in the cell tonight, he remembered the words of this old chubby preacher that was right beside him that Jesus saves and his life would perish without Christ. Maybe, some, maybe he remembered that. I hope he got saved. I hope Johnny got saved. How about you, dear friend? What are you keeping from Jesus tonight? What are you keeping from Jesus? Is there anything you've not given him? Is there anything you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't share with him? Is there anything if he asked, if he asked of it, would you, would you say, Lord, it's yours? So, so often we hold back. But dear friend, is the Lord, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jacob went close back to Bethel. He went close back to the house of God. He went close back to the land of Israel. He went close back. He didn't get there yet. He didn't get there yet. And so often in the Christian life, we don't get to where we need to be. We don't do things we want to do because there's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. There's a struggle in the, between the flesh and the spirit. You see, every day of our life, you're either walking in the flesh, that's doing your own thing, or you're walking in the spirit. You're doing what God wants you to do. You're doing one of the things. <laughs> you either do one or the other. It's not both at the same time. But you ever been in the spirit and all of a sudden on 39th Avenue, that sweet, beautiful person who you love so much just pulls right in front of you? And all of a sudden you were singing Amazing Grace and now you're singing Hell's Bells. You went from the spirit to the flesh just like that. And it was Sunday morning you get ready to see the preacher. <laughs> Or you're on your way to church, and all of a sudden, your dear, wonderful, sweet, beautiful, wise wife says, Now, do you remember what you said to me last week? You barely remember what you did yesterday, much less last week. And you're trying to ponder that. You're trying to ponder what she said. And you think it's one thing, but you're probably going to guess wrong, as you've done many times before. And she points that out to you. Now, this is not in the thing that she, I'm just making this hypothetical now. It's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. 
it's all hypothetical. Of course it's hypothetical. <laughs> no, dear friend, you ever get in that situation? No, one of the greatest things that Angie and I did when we got married, we got canceled by a dear pastor named Pastor Weeby. He's in heaven now. He said, when you have a disagreement and you make it up with one another, you forgive one another, never bring that back up. Well, that saved us a lot of trouble in life. But say you don't believe that. <laughs> and say you don't have agreement. And that sweet person brings back something you did last week. How are you going to handle that? You walk in the, in the church and you're supposed to be smiling. You're supposed to be happy, 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 singing victory in Jesus. An amazing grace and blessed assurance and nearer God to me. And all you want to do is get, in a, get back in the car and go home and get back in bed. You sure don't feel like being at church that morning. You got in the flesh. You got in the flesh. We've all been there, amen? We've all been there. The Christian life is sometimes up and down. It's up and down. I wish, all, I wish it was just like this. Always getting better, better, and better, and better. But that wasn't even true of the Apostle Paul, was it? Turn to Romans chapter 6 as we close. Romans chapter 6. You see, Paul the Apostle who wrote much of the New Testament, surely he always did that which is right. Surely he never had any problems. Surely he never struggled. Look at Romans chapter 6 in verse number 14. Romans chapter 6 in verse 14. Romans 6, 14, For you know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I not do not. For that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. Well, read that again, verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For, for what I would, that I do I not. For what I hate, that do I. Basically, he's saying, those things I don't want to do, I do them. You ever been there? The things I don't want to do is exactly what I do. Sunday morning, man, you're smiling and you're happy, but Monday, Monday, Blue Monday is coming. It's called the Blue Funk. You get up in the morning, it seems like the old devil's on your shoulder. The things you heard on Sunday morning, somehow or another, you've forgotten them. You've forgotten them. And even the Apostle Paul, if he was totally honest, and he was because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he struggled. We all struggle in the Christian life. The question is, seeing your own struggle, do you recognize your struggle? Because that's the first step. And second step is, are you willing to do something about it? If someone was to ask you in private, what is your number one struggle in your life, what would you say it is? Well, don't look across the way, husband, and say her. And lady, don't look across the way and say him. No. Don't look across the way, parents, and say them. <laughs> it's you, it's you, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I've said many a time that your worst enemy is not the devil. Your worst enemy is you. So I'm going to ask you tonight, what is what you struggle with the most? Have you identified that in your life? 
Have you identified your weakness, your struggle, your temptation, your failure? What we see from Jacob? His fear, his selfishness. And even though he wrestled with God when meeting his brother, and then after his brother, he wasn't quite right where he should be, he was still struggling with self. He was walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. What about you today? You know Christ is your Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Not a decision you made when you were five years old, but you sure ain't living like it at 65 years old. I hear a lot of people make decisions at five years old because mama told you to make a decision at five years old. I'm not saying you can't get saved at five. Dear friend, it's not a prayer that saves you. It's Christ that saves you. I've met many a person that said, I prayed when I was five. Well, did, did anything happen, you know? Do you know for sure you're saved today? Well, I prayed when I was five. Well, how about right now? How's your life right now? You saved? Are you living like a saved person? Are you walking in the spirit? If someone was to look at your life right now, and not just on Sunday right here because you dressed up and you came to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, look at your life tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and look at your behavior. They could follow you and things, see the things you do and the things you say and, 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 the, and the activities that you have. Could they say if they investigated your life, if we hired a private investigator, you, by the basis of your activities, have to be a Christian? Could they say that? Or would you be living like a pagan? A whole lot of folks are religious, but they sure ain't saved. And that's why you have somebody like Van Elmore who will call a many a church and they won't have the connection. Because they are fearful of the rep of the that's it, repercussions. But dear friend, the reason why we're in the situation we're in is because we've been quiet for too long. We've been quiet for too long. We got to speak up to speak the truth. And it starts by being clean because we'll never speak if we act like pagans. Are you tired of acting like a pagan? Are you tired of fighting that same old thing all the time? Identify it and get victory in it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Oh, God, we ask that you would work in our hearts and work in our life. Help us, Lord Jesus, to draw closer to you that we could say with all honesty, Oh, I'm not what I I'm not what I I'm not what I used to be, but praise God, I'm 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 different now because of what Christ has done in me. I'm not what I used to be, but by the grace of God, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do through me. I'm not what I'm used to be, but thank God, I'm grateful for what he's going to do to me. He's going to change me. Head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone in this room said, Preacher, I'm not saved. Maybe I made a prayer at five, but I don't know if I'm saved or not. Mama told me I prayed. Mama, Mama said I, I was a Christian, but I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. If you know, do you know? Do you know you're saved today? If you died today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Preacher, I'm just not sure. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? I'm not sure I'm saved, but I, I want to be saved. I've had doubts for years. 
of my salvation. I want to I make sure tonight that I'm saved. If I die today, I want to know that I go to heaven. And you can tonight. Anybody at all, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Preacher, I'm not surrendered like I need to be. There's some areas of my life where I'm struggling in right now. You know, as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart right now, exactly what those areas are. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's your love for other things more than love for God. Whatever it is, you're willing to admit the struggle. Preacher, I'm being honest tonight, and I have a struggle. Would you pray for me? Anybody honest tonight? Is there any honest Christians at North Gainesville Baptist Church and say, I struggle with something in my life? Amen. 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 Is there any more honest Christians at North Gainesville Baptist Church tonight? I see three. I'm struggling with something. We're all struggling with it. You're just struggling with raising your hand and being honest. <laughs> oh, preacher, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling. As the piano plays, let's stand to our feet. If you're willing to be 